Welcome to Because I Said So, a podcast where we amplify youth voices and use age to better understand the world around us. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you find us. It really, really helps others find this podcast. I hope you guys enjoy. Hey everybody, we have a very, very special guest today and a close friend of mine. Her name is Audrey. Audrey, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, totally. Um, hello everyone. My name is Audrey. Um, I don't really know what else to say about myself. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's all I got. I'm, I'm 19. I'm living in Char- Ari- oh my lord, Arizona right now um, and I love it. But yeah, hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so... Obviously, we've talked to you before on the podcast, but give us a little rundown of kind of like the big points since we last spoke to you about like your gap year and just what's kind of been going on since then that got us to the conversation that we're going to have today. Okay, totally. So I went to college in Colorado in August of 
and now I'm at an independent sober living place in Sedona, Arizona. Um, and yeah, like, I guess kind of all of this story is meant to talk about like treatment and like the troubled teen quote unquote industry and also like maybe provide like a different perspective on it and like ways that like it can be beneficial to people, you know? Right. No, absolutely. And I mean, first, I want to say thank you so much for being so vulnerable, because I think that that's a really, really hard thing to do. And I know both of us have experienced treatment for like different eating stuff and mental health stuff. And I remember um, when I was at a hospital in Nashville, um, I just remember the infrastructure issues being so intense that there was one psych doctor for the whole hospital, children's and adult. Mm -hmm. And it took like seven hours to get to us. And that was only because my mom made like a big fuss about it and it's like it's definitely such a big issue in our country and especially Mm -hmm. the way that I think that kids and teens can internalize like this feeling of a burden because of the way that you're being treated or it's just very dehumanizing in a time where you really need that humanization and that contact um and so I think this is such an important discussion and I mean, I wanted to ask you, was there a time when you realized that there was, like, a specific tipping point for you where you were like, I need help? Or was that kind of more like, I need to get out of this world more so? Um, I think I had, like, a couple moments that, like, I really just brushed off. I was like, there, there are actually things that were, like, really scary. Like, I almost I accidentally did meth, um, and I was up for, like, 72 hours straight, like, in mm. a row. And then I went to Kenemy, and I was like, oh, this isn't good. Like, this is really bad. Like, I shouldn't be doing this. And so I tried to, like, kind of get sober on my own. And, like, the weirdest part of it was, is, like, I was portraying my life, like, if everything was fine. Because, like, it, it's weird how we do, or at least how I do it to me. Like, I... If you look through, like, my Instagram and, like, my social media, like, I have pictures of me, like, going on hikes and, like, vacations with my family and, like, rock climbing competitions. But, like, during that time period, like, I literally just, like, almost died from doing meth, which if you're on, like, psych medications, you know it's not really good to, like, drink or do anything on them. And, like, meth, like, that, that's pretty wild. Yeah. Um. That was, I would say, like, my first tipping point, and my second would probably be, like, in January when I was in my room by myself, like, in my dorm room, like, back at school, and I was like, this is not good. Like, I I don't think I can continue, like, living this way. I don't know if I want to continue living, like, period, and, mm-hmm. like, those are, like, the two breaking points, and, like, I had been kind of like talking about this with my therapist but I I think I was like downplaying the severity of it like to myself and to also just like make it seem less serious because like as like this like perfectionistic human and like very much like you know driven around like performance and like also how other people perceive me which like is part of the culture of human fog I feel like but yeah also just like myself it's like I can't be struggling. There's, like, no way. Like, I have good grades. Like, I'm working out. I feel happy. I have friends. Like, there's no way it's this bad. But, like, it was. And I think, like, that, like, fear of, like, being seen as, like, not perfect was ultimately, like, quite a downfall for me. Because, like, 
it let it get to the point like it got way more serious than it could have been if I had just been able to admit to myself that like there are things that I struggle with and like it's okay to like not be perfect and obsessive with everything I do no right I mean I especially relate to that with like caring so much about that external perspective and trying to get better at that because I think that it causes you I mean kind of like what you were saying to not only kind of sometimes lie to yourself but also kind of like lie to the people that are supposed to be helping you like i.e therapist mm-hmm. i.e like those people and it be- can yeah. become such a damaging cycle when you're like downplaying it to the people who are in place to help you because I did the same thing and it's like this fear of also being like bubble wrapped I feel like and being mm-hmm. like oh like she we have to be super careful around her but also like when you are doing so well on the outside, you don't really want them to stop you and, like, make you take that time away to go, like, heal. And so I wanted to ask you, too, about how you got to the pathway of wilderness therapy because I feel like that is definitely a more niche thing. And, I mean, like we were talking about before, there's kind of been some interesting, like, depictions of wilderness therapy on social media recently and so how did you Mm -hmm. decide on that yeah so um this is it's a long story but when I was at the psych hospital um in Denver Colorado which is a whole nother talking point because you were talking about like how kind of with like you know like the healthcare infrastructure it was like my first time in an adult psychiatric hospital and so, like, I had to do, like, all of the advocating for myself. Like, mm. there was one doctor there. Um, and, like, most of the people there didn't have the resources that, like, my parents have to, like, you know, like, people in their lives who care about them enough to, like, check on you. Yeah. And to, like, be like, no, you have to say this. Like, tell them this. Like, they can't just put you on all these meds to, like, stabilize you because it's, like, not a great thing. And, like... And my parents, which I'm really grateful for, like, helped a lot. Like, they called the hospital, like, multiple times a day to, like, make sure that I was getting all my needs met. And, like, while I was there, I was really able to, like, clearly see, like, a lot of people who come from, like, lower-income backgrounds, like, completely on their own. Right. And, like, most of them had been to jail and, like, committed crimes because of like their mental health issues and like I was really lucky because I have like a life coach and something called an ed consultant um which is basically it's it's kind of like a therapist but like with less regulation like they're able to provide like more opinions and recommendations and aren't bound by like specific therapeutic rules per se Mm -hmm. and I got out of the psych hospital, like, the day my parents picked me up, and I was like, I'm so excited to go back to college, like, this is gonna be great, and they're like, (laughs) you really think you're ready to go back to college, and I was like, oh, yeah, completely, I'm, like, totally fine, and they looked at me, and they're like, oh, no, absolutely not (laughs) Yeah, they're like, um, actually, no, we don't think so. (laughs) Yeah, that's basically how that conversation went, and I was like, you're kidding me like yeah like we think you need like longer term treatment and like we're very open to like you choosing like the type of treatment you want and where you want to go which I think is very important going back to college I think it's very important that they were so like receptive to your opinions and I mean it's such a big thing I mean this is a point I'm going to bring up later too but it's like the way that income so so 
like has such an intense impact on treatment and has such an intense impact on like the overall outcome of someone's like life especially as it relates to mental health care is astounding and scary honestly yeah yeah that's the thing like I felt so lucky that I had these like people in my life to like advocate for me because I wasn't capable of doing that because like it was my first time in like any type of adult care right and you're also dealing with so much that it's like I mean to try to ask you to advocate for yourself when you don't even really know what you need is a really, really hard thing. Yeah. Yep. And like, it was more like a stabilization unit. So their goal is to like get you out of there as fast as you possibly can. And like you're stable and like, that's it. So it's like the bare minimum pretty much. And I was put on seven different medications oh, there. Oh God. That's, and that in of itself is scary. Cause it's, again, goes back to like the dehumanization and it's like, mm-hmm. I think it really, is poignant because it makes you realize like the times of insane asylums and like Dorothea Dix and everything like that was not that long ago and honestly I mean in a lot of ways our mental health system has gotten better but in some ways just with the infrastructural challenges of like needing more beds needing like and trying to get people out so quickly I mean it really doesn't allow for the healthcare that we need yeah and like that that was like the scary part to me was like experiencing that for myself like without my parents right there with me right because when i've done like adolescent type like recovery programs and things like that like your parents are there with you the whole time and like don't get me wrong i have no problem with medication like i'm alive because of the meds i take but like i was put like they put me on like lithium and Mm, like For, and they quit me cold turkey on the SSRI that I was taking. Oh, God. <laughs> so, like, right? It was really awful. But the thing was, that was, like, the only available hospital in all of Colorado. Mm. And, like, I was able to advocate and be, like, I don't want to take these meds because, like, I have some experience in, like, being able to do that. But, like, the other people there, like, were so alone. And, like, it almost just, like, felt like you were zombified, like, there were days I had panic attacks where they would just, like, give me meds to, like, stop crying. I'm, like, wouldn't address the, like, root issues there. And, like... Which is really so scary. That is really scary. Yeah. Like, especially for the people who, like, have, for say, like, schizophrenia or something that's, like, distorts your reality so much to, like... Where, like, you'll pretty much take consent to, like, anything. Yeah. Because, like, they just... The way that hospital was, and, like, not every psychiatric hospital is like this, but, like, they just load you up on meds and see that as, like, the only solution when, like, in my opinion, like, it it takes a lot more than just, like, meds. Yeah, no, the way I view it is, like... Um, almost like these mental health things are kind of like a very deep ditch and like meds can put a little dirt in so you can like reach out and lift yourself out but like you still need that help you still need that therapy that like everything else to really get out but I mean back to wilderness therapy so no 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 you're good I love like our little tangents because I think that they're so needed and necessary things to talk about um but how did you specifically, like, decide? Like, did you end up doing research, or did you have an idea that that might be something that you thought would help you? Yeah, kind of. So my ed consultant and my parents, like, put together basically a list of things that I liked. 
Um, and I'm very into hiking um, and the outdoors and stuff like that. And they found a bunch of programs, like they, they had a whole list. Um, and they were all like wilderness therapy style programs because like my parents and my ed consultant and my therapist and like my whole treatment team from Nashville and Colorado were like, I think this would actually like be really helpful for you and like something that you could get a lot out of. And I was like, okay, I'm like very down to like try this out and like see if it helps me. And so when we spent the week after I got out of the psych hospital, we spent a week in Denver together with my parents, like picking out like and interviewing the different programs. And I interviewed a few wilderness programs in Utah, um, one in Costa Rica, one in North Carolina. And like, these were all places that like my ed consultant had found for me because like the whole thing, she's like a consultant slash life coach, like their job is to find treatment programs for people basically. Right. And so like she found all these programs and was like, my parents told me they're like, you have to do this, but we're going to let you pick which one you want to go to. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, great. So my original impression of wilderness therapy, I was like very scared from what I had heard on like social media just like about the troubled teen industry right so like that like that nature because there's a lot of like negative media out there right it makes it it. seem like like, almost like a labor camp definitely yeah 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 yeah. i'm like i'm not saying it's wrong because i definitely think it has some validity but also it's like you're a teenager in treatment like no one wants to be doing that Mm. and like you have to be doing like the hard stuff and it's not fun and I was, like, so terrified that it was just going to be, like, intense labor and, like, we weren't going to have food. But, like, I ended up picking a program in Utah called Elements Traverse um, that my therapist thought would be a really good fit for me. And, oh, yeah, this is another funny little side thing. On the, all the meds they prescribed me at the hospital, I was still on when I was with my parents that week at the hotel. And, like, oh gosh, they took me off all of them because I would like pace for hours like in the middle of the night and I was like so paranoid I would like go to people's hotel doors and like stare at them and like listen and I'd be like there's someone here and they're like what on earth like they're just like losing their mind they're like Audrey what are you on and I was like here's my bag like eight billion pills (laughs) literally like and like there were meds that you weren't supposed to be mixing together and I found out when I went to wilderness they prescribed me like meds to treat the side effects of other meds that I was taking but those meds that they gave me were not like to treat the right side effects so I was just having like a bajillion different things so I was all over the place when I went to wilderness therapy and like I picked it because it's like complete isolation like we knew nothing that was going on in the world right zero internet access um a completely controlled environment and it was outside and so like there's that aspect of it which is like absolutely amazing and also really challenging at the same time like I wanted to do something that would be difficult for me because I think that's like the best way to grow yeah but like at the same time I I went into be like oh my god this is gonna be so fun and then like my second day out there I was like Oh my god, this is not fun. <laughs> yeah, so but I mean, like, along that, can you walk us through like what did like a day at wilderness therapy look like just to get like an idea? Oh man. 
Okay, yeah. So we also, at my wilderness, every wilderness therapy is, like, different, obviously. Yeah. But for us, they didn't tell us the times, like, ever. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> we didn't get to know what time it was. So, like, like, literally every aspect of our life is controlled. But we would wake up at sunrise, um, or, like, right after the sun had risen. And depending on if we were, like, hiking or doing adventure programming, which is one thing my wilderness did that I really liked, which was, like, rock climbing or like mountain summiting or like rappelling and things of that Mm. nature um so if we were staying in camp that day we didn't have to break down our shelter but if we were we'd only get like 30 minutes and they would just like scream like this is your wake-up call and from then we have like 30 minutes to pack up our shelter put all our stuff in our bags and like basically break down our entire shelter site um because we all slept in, like, different tents or that we made ourselves. And oh, wow. the worst part was, like, in February and March, it would be, like, below zero in the mornings. Oh, and no. it was so hard to, like, unpack that. Like, get out of your warm sleeping bag and be like, okay, you have to move fast. And I'd be, like, still waking up and be like, <laughs> oh, my God, this is so awful. And, like, with my OCD, like, all, like, my knots and, like, the way I folded everything, I was oh, right. it drove me insane. But, like, yeah, so we would do that. And then we had a rotating chore list. Um, and one of the chores is chef, which means you are in charge of, like, making breakfast for everyone. We ate the same thing every single day for breakfast. Um, it was oats with granola and brown sugar and boiled water. Um, and we also had to make our own fire every morning. So we did everything we did and wilderness therapy and cycles basically so we'd have a cycle to like make fire make breakfast and then we'd have to clean up take our food bags out of the trees pack all of our stuff on get our chores in and then do camp breakdown which is like we practice lnt which is like leave no trace and um it just means you know leave no trace like right. we were never there and so we sifted all our fire pans we would put stuff in our drop because we got food and water dropped um, at our different campsites for mm. us. Yeah. Um, we had to carry, like, our own personal food, but, like, once a week or twice a week, we'd get, like, all of our food, and we would just carry it individually. Yeah. Um, those are the best days because we – they had us on, like, a really high-protein diet, but we'd get cliff Bars, and then, like, the day we got them, everyone would just eat, like, all five of them <laughs> because they were, like – they had sugar in them, and, like, they kept us on, like, a really strict diet, which is a whole other thing with my eating disorder, but... Yeah, like, I was going to ask about that, on, too. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, and, like, the thing was, when I went to Little, I hadn't been eating at all when I was at school, and so, to like, it was rough. Like, you literally have to eat, or else you'll get, like, really cold and freeze and die. Right. And so, like... That was what kept me, like, eating and, like, being flexible with food. And, like, I like I literally had to or else I would, you know, be really cold and uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> and also with, like, the mileage that we were hiking I, every single That's what day. I was going to say. I was like, I can't imagine, like, that would be a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so after we did Camp Breakdown, we'd get on the road. Um, most days we would hike on the road, but there were, like, once a week probably we do, like, cross-country hiking which were my favorites, mm. um, and we, our group was between, like, five to eight people at a time, or, like, in a given day, um, plus four or five staff members that were always with us, um, and then 
the hardest thing was after hiking like all day we'd have to do camp setup and then set up our shelters and then make dinner and like that's so hard because like that's the stuff that you need to do to like survive and like have a place to sleep but after like a full day of hiking right like it takes so much energy and so we would hike like four to five days a week and then on Tuesdays and Wednesdays those were therapy days and like we did therapy groups every day but on Tuesdays and Wednesdays therapists would come out to the field um and we meet with them for like two hours every day and those would also be the days we had like a shower tent we didn't go we didn't get to go back to a base camp we literally got to shower with like we boiled our water put it in a bucket and then like connected it to this like shower hedging and that's how we took showers wow. and we got one shower a week oh gosh um, yeah it was it was pretty wild and on Tuesdays that's when the different staff shifts would come out because like there's one there are two staff shifts and they like rotated each week um and yeah that that was like a normal day basically mm. a lot it, it's a lot and like you you get really used to it but like our bags were like 85 pounds and like okay oh it was, it was pretty wild. It was pretty wild. Why do you think that they keep it so, like, strictly regimented? Like, what do you feel like the purpose of that is in terms of kind of, like, the healing and recovery and just everything like that? Yeah, I actually found it, like, really comforting to, like, have my day planned out to a T because, like, that really allows, like, the clients, which is, like, what they call us, to do a lot of, like, the intense therapeutic work. Right. Like, you're, it's very easy to, like, worry have all these things like worrying that you're worrying about like in the outside world like even in tr- when I was at the psych hospital like I didn't have my phone but I could see what was going on in the news like I got to choose when I ate when I did blah 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 and to like have it so regimented and like you have to eat at this time this time and this time and like therapy group is at this time and gratefuls group we did every single night after dinner and like we it was it's so regimented because it really allows you to like intensely focused on the therapeutic work that you need to be doing and while I was there actually I got like I actually got very like a big fan of the schedule like I hated it at first like I hated (laughs) having everything planned because it's like completely outside of your control when we do what we do right like we we pretty much get no say in it which is like it's that way for a reason because like it's also, I guess, an exercise in lack of control because, like, yeah. it's not up to you when you do anything. Like, you just have to accept that, like, these people are, like, controlling your life. And, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think it's meant just to, like, allow for a deeper focus on issues, I would say. Yeah. And I was going to also ask, like, do is this kind of for a variety of, like, mental health like issues or is it more so like for specific ones or do they have like different cohorts for different groups like how does that work yeah yeah so the one that I went to was specifically for people with like a certain different types of mental illnesses like they did a lot of like addiction like drug focused work and also like anxiety like OCD and like suicidal thought type stuff right um and I think a lot of different wilderness programs do it differently, but we, our program focused a lot on, like, DBT and also, like, physical exercise and yoga as, like, means for, like, helping address, like, anxiety, depression, um, and, like, yeah, things of that nature, and also just, like, 
it wasn't an abstinence-based program like surrounding like drugs and alcohol but we did do a lot of work like analyzing our relationships with the two like drugs and alcohol um and it I, I would say it was for like a variety of mental health issues but also while you're there your parents can pay to do testing um and so i got like a full psychological testing done like iq test like and every mental illness possible and I found out, like, a lot of interesting stuff. So I was diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder, mm. which is pretty wild to me. And, like, especially to, like, the people that my parents hired to test me, they're like, I have no idea how it went so undiagnosed for so long. And, like, this is a whole other thing, but, like, autism is really often in women, like, misread and, like, yeah, absolutely. not seen or diagnosed at all ever. And... I was diagnosed with that, like, PTSD, like, things I already knew I had, and, like, it was really insightful, because, like, this is, like, a known thing when you go to wilderness therapy, they're, like, you go to, everyone's, like, I don't want to go to aftercare, and it's just, like, another treatment program after wilderness therapy, and, like, a lot of your testing results impact where you go for treatment after wilderness therapy, and, like, yeah, it, it, I would say, in a way it's like it's called like primary treatment i guess and it's meant to like really start the work that you need to do but then i think you go to like more specialized places afterward it's a whole it's a whole thing like they really just send you from place to place to place to place until they're like yeah you're ready and like there's an industry for every single type of place you could like imagine right well and do you feel like that is a little bit hard like do you still feel like in a sense the dehumanized or zombified way because it does feel it does feel hard when you feel like you're being bounced around and bounced around and kind of like looked at almost like a problem that needs to be fixed so I wanted to ask kind of some of like that as well I mean I'm sure it seems like for you it felt less like that at wilderness therapy but kind of like just the transition from place to place yeah so I was like really grateful to have like parents who support me and aren't like ending my relationship with me but I had friends in my wilderness therapy program um, whose parents literally made them sign contracts and they were like, this is your last chance. Like, if you mess this up, you're not going to have a relationship with us ever. Um, And like, it it very much turns you into like what your issues are and not who you are. Like, they're like, if you, like, I literally had people in my wilderness whose parents were like, if you fuck this up, like, we're ending our relationship. And, like, there's like, that so thing hard. that, like, ended up happening to, like, one of the people I was in wilderness therapy with. Like, they made a mistake, and now, like, they don't have support from their parents at all and are literally going to be homeless. How well, how does that work when you are continuing in wilderness therapy? Because, like, if they're not paying for it, th- did they have to just leave the program? Yeah, so, like, for this specific person, they were like, yeah after this treatment is done no relationship with you ever like you're not allowed to contact us like it's over and like it's really awful because it's like my parents were willing to put in effort but there are some people's parents who just like weren't and they're like you just need to go to treatment because like we don't want to have to deal with your issues here and like it very much like if you don't have people in your life who are supportive like you like you it'll be miserable and like at my wilderness therapy, there was this thing called walking, which is what a lot of people did when they first get there. Or like, even when they've been there a while, it's like, they're like, I want to sign myself out. And the only way to do that is to walk all the way back to our base camp. And they don't give you a map. They don't tell you where you're going. 
and you have to take like two staff with you and you just wander around in the desert until you either get back to base or decide to come back to the group mm. and like every single person at my in my group that I know did that like including myself um because it's like it's a really intense experience and like at times it can feel like really we we have like we had to do things that like really dehumanize you like the way they do meds and like we had this rule called earshot which means like everything you say you have a staff has to be able to hear and like they they analyze you so deeply and like it it's a pretty it's a pretty wild experience and like I loved all the staff in my wilderness program like I'm really grateful for them like there there are a lot of like fun moments and like hard moments that I had that they were there for me but like if you're not in a headspace that's like willing to accept treatment and like very much can feel like you're being turned into like just your issues and that like you don't have like any individuality because like you you share everything with this group of people that you live with like excuse me we did these things called like relationship letters which are like where your parents like read off like every way they feel hurt by your relationship and like you read that to the group and that's your first time seeing it and like you read it to the entire group so everyone knows your issues so everything that you've ever done wow that it's really i mean well within that is there some i'm sure that there is like some sort of like group acknowledgement of like trust or like confidentiality or like some sort of like rules of like this is how we're going to create space for one another yeah there there are so like it the reason i specifically have used the words like clients or people is because of hipaa so like yeah yeah yeah. not allowed to say like anyone's name that i went to wilderness therapy with like we're all on the same contact with each other but like on public platforms like social media and stuff like that like we're not allowed to acknowledge it and that's because like there are people in that program who come from backgrounds of like celeb like celebrity and like higher up yeah like things and like those parents do not want that information like at first my parents didn't want anyone knowing where I was and what I was doing Mm -hmm. like I really think like they've gotten so much better about it but I think there was like a sense of shame for them to like be like yeah like this child that I had that's like intelligent and perfect and so amazing is actually now like a crazy drug person in in treatment and like which I think is part of it is like there's so much stigma around all of it yeah and like especially with like the group space like you live together you have to like make it a welcoming space and if you don't arguments happen and then you work it out and you deal with it and it's like we literally would get like assignments from our therapists called like pink notes which were like everything we talked about in therapy and we would read it to the whole group every single week mm. like and everyone would know like okay this person's working on this assignment and this person needs support with this and like it's really scary but it's like almost like a forced vulnerability so you get like really comfortable and like sharing and talking openly like about like what you're going through and like like my program also had a lot of like people who had like OCD intrusive thoughts and like suicidal thoughts and like I was one of those people and so like I got really open with like my OCD and like the intrusive thoughts that I have like we you could probably do a whole series on like this 
way people try to like romanticize OCD. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of my intrusive thoughts are like, kill yourself, put your body into this fire. No, exactly. You want to die. And it's like really alarming. But like these people were like, okay, like that's fine. Like we support you. Like if you need anything. And I was like, I've never been in an environment where people like don't look at me like I'm crazy. Exactly. And I think that that is so important because it's like, that's one of the hardest things to talk about, like, with your mental health issues, I think, in general, like, whether it be suicidal thoughts or OCD and intrusive thoughts is, like, not wanting to have to have people look at you and that, like, I referenced it earlier, but, like, my biggest fear was, like, being looked at, like, I needed to be, quote-unquote, bubble-wrapped. Like, I didn't want people to look mm-hmm. at me like I was a problem that needed to be fixed. And so I think that that, yeah. I'm sure, is so healing just to have this validity and, like, okay, like, I see what you're dealing with. Like, that's, like, we will help you, but, like, you're not crazy like I think that that's so yeah. important yeah and like that was like that was the most amazing thing because when I was in college um this is like pre-PTSD diagnosis but I was having a lot of like disassociation and flashbacks and I was like what is wrong with me and my friends were like what are you doing and I was like I don't even know what I'm doing and then I got there and I would have these like moments where I would just like scream and cry and like not know where I was and everyone was like it's okay and I was like wow these people are like not judging me and they're like what are you thinking about right now and I was like I'm gonna put my body into this fire and they're like oh let me help you like do you want to talk about something do you want to like go on a walk blah 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 and I was like I've never had this like degree of like openness with anyone and like so little judgment and like that's what really makes it a safe space and like I would tell staff and they would just be like okay you're not crazy like this is totally fine and like they made me feel like I was just normal and that, like, everything that I was thinking was, like, okay, and that, like, it wasn't super intense, and that I could, like, work through it, and, like, there are a couple staff that I got, like, really close with, uh, one whose name was Ian, and the other person whose name was M, and they were, like, so helpful in, like, me dealing with my intrusive thoughts, because for a really long time, I think it was because, like, I was just finally being able to, like, deal exclusively with, like, a lot of my suicidal thoughts but like I had them like really intensely and when people have like suicidal thoughts and like intention behind them you get put on this thing called self-harm watch which means you have a staff within arms reach of you 24 7 and like two staff take you to the bathroom they pat you down you go to the bathroom and they like pat you down again and like they wrap you in a tarp at night and sleep on like one side of it so you can't get out of the tarp and on the other side of you like I would wake up and I'd be like I want to kill myself and they're like it's okay like you're gonna get through this and like I've never been able to talk so openly about that and like that was a big part of my healing and like everyone in my group was like so supportive of me because like we had like special rules we had to follow when people are on self-harm watch and like I was the only person in my group that like I saw ever get put on it but like it was so reassuring to have these people like treat me like a normal human being and that like even though I was having these thoughts and wanted to do these things, like, I was still very much, like, valued and treated like I was okay. And, like, all the staff were like, yeah, like, these aren't bad thoughts. Like, they're just thoughts that you're having. You're like, they're not you. And I thought that was, like, very powerful. Yeah, no, that that is, I think, just so humanizing and so validating that I'm, like, and it's also, I mean, when you're able to talk about these things, like, they aren't as big, of, it makes it so much easier to talk about, like you said, And um, kind of, like, second to last big question is, do you feel like there are, I mean, you've mentioned some things, but, like, downsides or things that make this not the experience that everyone needs to heal? 
Oh, yeah, completely. Like, I think this is one thing, like, a lot of my, the people in my group didn't know they were going to, like, aftercare, which is, like, treatment after wilderness therapy. And they're, like, it, it can be really hard if your parents aren't, like, open and honest with you about, like, or the program even isn't, like, yeah, you're going to have to go someplace after this. Because, like, everyone that I knew... This is also, like, another thing. They came from a very specific, like, demographic of people. Mm. But, like, I think it's, like, wild because most people's parents, like, don't tell them that they're going to have to go to more treatment because no one wants to hear after spending, like, three months in the desert in Utah that, like, they're going to have to go to, like, another treatment place. Like, right. you know, no one wants to hear that. But, like, the thing is, it's really hard to go from, like, a completely structured, like, environment, not knowing the time ever, having everything you eat, like, controlled, and, like, your day planned down to, like, the minute. Like, it can be really hard to just, like, all of a sudden go back into the real world with, like, all this stuff. And so, like, that's why they're, like, transitional programs. But Absolutely. But the thing is, I think, like, in the perfect world, one program would be able to, like, accommodate all of that. But, like, the truth is, most people aren't, and, like, most programs can't do that. And, like, when I was in wilderness, like, I had meetings with my ed consultant and my therapist and, like, parent coaches and all that kind of stuff. Like, there's a whole ass team of people who all make a ton of money just to, like, send you to more programs. And, like, I think that's where, like, a lot of toxicity comes from is that, like, the the wilderness program that I went to cost, like, over $40,000 for, like, three months yeah and so and, like, it's like, that doesn't yeah. even include like the coaching and the hotels for like the parent visits and like all that stuff and like then you get sent to another treatment program and it, it, it almost just feels like an endless loop and like my parents are very like open and communicating with me that I was going to have to go somewhere after wilderness like it wasn't a surprise to me but like Again, like, I'm the only person in my group that I know of who knew that they were going to have to go somewhere else. Yeah, and so, I, I mean, obviously, transparency is something that I... I mean, also, like, with a lot of it, I think, being an ultimatum. Like, I can't imagine how hard that mm-hmm. must have been, but also, like you said, like, the lack of accessibility. And just since we're having to wrap it up, because I'm sure, like, we need to do another episode about this because there's so many more questions I that I have. To. But um, what do you feel like was the biggest thing that you learned from this experience like in wilderness therapy as a whole yes yeah okay I think I would say that like I'm pretty strong and like badass of a human to like be yeah able you are to, yeah like, you are live in the desert and like do all this stuff and make my own shelter and cook food and all of that and like mentor people like yeah I I definitely feel like very confident in myself and in my abilities I would say yeah. No, and I I mean truly as your friend, I'm so proud of you and I'm so inspired by the work that you've put uh, in for yourself. And I you. know that it's like it's hard to say that and sound like but like genuine, but like I earnestly earnestly mean that. Like I truly it is very inspiring as someone who's also dealt with some similar issues before. And so I just want to say thank you for sharing everything and also just like for being so willing to be so vulnerable. Yeah, and, like, thank you so much for, like, being the person that you are, dude, and, like, how, yeah, I'm just, I'm proud of you, too. I'm yeah. very proud of you.